Amen. Hey, once again, we're on a topic of our study of world religions, cults, and the occult. And that's right, number seven, we are on Roman Catholicism. That's right. And by way of recap, and to buy you time as you're starting to pay attention there, uh, we have already seen, based on the facts, not just my personal opinion, but the facts tell us that uh, Roman Catholicism is not Christianity. Hello. They are pseudo-fake Christian. They are also a cult, secular, and biblical definitions. And frankly, their behavior is demonic, as we saw again in John chapter 8, when Jesus is trying to share the truth of what the people want to do. They want to kill him. Okay, and believe it or not, that's what's gone on throughout Western civilization and quote church history is unfortunately the Catholic Church with the Inquisitions, which are still in effect today, want to not just disagree, but to get rid of anybody who disagrees with their false teaching. Of course, it's leading to Revelation chapter 17, the woman that rides the beast, the one world religion harlot, the Vatican, as we saw in great detail, is already working together once again, all the religions on the planet together into one, just like Constantine did, which gave birth to the rise of the Roman Catholic Church in the first place. But but they're also combining to get the governments in control as well, which happens to be what's coming in the last days in the seven-year tribulation, Revelation 17. Then we saw that they are truly showing the signs of a cult. And we saw the five classic examples. How do you know that somebody's in a cult, getting involved in a cult, displaying a cult behavior? Well, one, you have to deal with the authority. They don't stick with the Bible as we just dealt with in the open prayer. They go to man. They go to anything else. And that's what, unfortunately, Roman Catholicism does on a multitude of levels, not just tradition, not just the Pope, not just the councils. Their Bible is not the same Bible as ours. It's got the Apocrypha, etc., blah, blah, blah. They also get wrong the nature of God and the Trinity, the person and work of Jesus Christ, the nature of man, and the means of salvation. And time and time and time again, it's one of the easiest things to demonstrate. When it comes to Roman Catholicism, it is not by faith through grace. It is what? It's a works-based salvation, which is a false gospel that will never get you to heaven. So it is not Christianity at the core, even on the fringes, as we continue to see. So we thought, man, you get all that stuff wrong. Well, that's the next question. Well, what else is wrong? Well, last time we dealt with, once again, Ron, is it better? was it better this week with, the, with Mary worship? Was it, was it a little more? You're getting there? Oh, I pray for Ron. He said, at least he's honest, man. Let's go. Praise God. His wife's name is Mary, for those who are wondering. And we were joking. Hello. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Mary worship, okay? Yes, they do worship Mary, okay? Uh, and put her and give the attributes of God, etc. But it's not just Mary whom they worship and pray to and expect to give us the blessings, okay, instead of God. They also do it with these people called saints, okay? Saints. Now, the whole Catholic premise of saints, which, by the way, are dead people, okay, in case you're wondering. Uh, that's the Catholic version. They're dead people that they have deemed uh, that uh, they've done, they, they were super religious, super amazing. And over time, they get together and they say, well, this super amazing Catholic person, they are long dead, but we're going to say they're a saint. And now, because of that, you can pray to them and they will give you all kinds of neat stuff. And oh, by the way, here's a trinket you can buy that looks like them for $9.95. Now, you see, you think I'm joking, but that's really what it is in a nutshell. Okay, it's another money-making adventure. Okay, uh, unfortunately for the Catholic Church, which is extremely wealthy. And I really think is the most uh, wealthiest institution on the planet. Okay, to be honest with you, we saw that before. I don't want to go there again. Uh, but saints, but hold, though, before you can get to that, the whole premise of the Catholic version of the saints is completely wrong in the first place. Let alone you shouldn't pray to them. We'll get to all that in a second. But the whole premise is wrong. Right? The Bible actually does use the term saint, okay? but a saint uh, is used four different ways in the scripture. Right? First of all, a saint is not a dead person who is a Catholic, who is super-duper Catholic-y. Right? Okay? And then later they said, you're a saint. Right? A saint is a, is, uh, deals with the people of God. Right? Now, if you had a bad day, or maybe you argued as a husband and wife, and you're both Christians here tonight, go ahead and encourage each other. Turn to somebody and say, you're a saint. <laughs> right? I know. Well, some of you just didn't want to say it, did you? Was it really that bad on the way in? I'd tell you, what's going on? We'll pray have to start the marriage study again. But uh, no, that's really that's what the Bible says, right? It's just four different kinds of saints in the Scripture. But the saints, scripturally, biblically, are talking about the people of God. Whoever's the person of God, whoever belongs to God, you're a saint. Let me give you a couple examples. Old Testament saints, just one verse. Psalm 106, quote, uh, verse uh, 16. They envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron the saint of the Lord. Aaron's a what? An Old Testament saint. New Testament saint. That's you and I today. That's why everybody's born again. You're a saint, right? Saint Bobby. That sounds good, doesn't it? 
I'm here for you. I'm making it for the last couple of weeks. I was picking on you. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 21. Just one example. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus, Paul says. The brethren which are with me greet you uh, also. So again, who's he talking about? Christians, New Testament saints. Now, there's also what's called a tribulation saint, right? Revelation 13, verse 7. He, the Antichrist in the context, was given power to make war against the saints. Who's he talking about? It's not the church. These are the people who get saved during the seven tribulation, a tribulation saint. Then the fourth one, the example, is the millennial saints, those who are going to be a part of with natural bodies in the millennial kingdom. Not the church, because we're at the rapture prior to the seven-year tribulation. Okay, we get resurrected bodies Okay, uh, at the rapture. Revelation 20, verse 4, they, the tribulation saints, the people who were murdered, okay, says they come to life and they reign with Christ for a thousand years, the millennial kingdom. So they get to be a part of that, okay, uh, along with the people that somehow survived. Uh, the people of God during the seven-year tribulation, and the Jewish elect. So the Bible talks about four different kinds of saints. There's an Old Testament saint, there's a New Testament saint, there's a tribulation saint, there's a, a millennial saint. Okay, And again, that's important when people want to bring up, hey, the church is in the seven-year tribulation, because I see that word saint. doesn't mean it's the church. In fact, contextually, it's not the church. But we've talked about that before in other studies. But, that, but what is that? Is that? Was that what the Catholic Church says? Did, 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 did we have to wait for them to decide that somebody gets to have that label? No. Anybody who belongs to God, of the people of God, you're a saint. Right? In fact, the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word uh, uh, kadosh, and it simply means, when it's used in the Hebrew, it means sacred, holy, holy one, or saint. And it's the same thing in the Greek. We've talked about this before. It's a hagias. Okay, a hagias, and it simply means the same thing. A most holy thing, a saint. Right? So a saint, Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew, uh, Greek, is simply referring to the people of God. It's not at all. So we, we could stop right there when it comes to this whole saint issue in the Catholic Church. It's not even biblical. Your whole version of it's wrong. But let's just play the little game and see that what they do with their version of a saint is even right as well. And it's not, of course. Right, let's take a look at that. Is prayer to saints, by the way, dead people, and Mary, who died too, is it biblical? No. Uh, it is the official position of the Roman Catholic Church that Catholics, listen, do not pray to saints or Mary, but rather that Catholics can ask saints or Mary to pray for them. All this is is word speak, right? Because listen to the very next statement. The official position of the Roman Catholic Church is that asking saints for their prayers is no different than asking someone here on earth to pray for us. Well, wait a second. On the one hand, you just said you don't pray to saints or Mary, but then you just said your official position is you're asking these saints or Mary to intercede for you. Last time I checked, that's praying to them. <laughs> it's just word speak, right? Yes, you do pray to them. And we're going to see that abundantly clear. And that's what we saw last week with Mary. Oh, we don't worship Mary. Nope. Right? It's the same thing with saints. Oh, we don't worship saints. We don't talk to them. Yes, you do. Right? And we're going to take a look at that again. Now, obviously, the point is it has no biblical basis whatsoever, saints or Mary. The Bible nowhere instructs us as Christians to pray to anyone other than God. Okay, the Bible nowhere encourages or even mentions believers asking individuals in heaven for their prayers. Okay, yet uh, the Catholics view Mary and the saints as intercessors before God. They believe that a saint has more direct access to God than we do. Therefore, a saint delivers a prayer to God, and it's more effective than us praying to God directly. What? What? What are you talking about? It's kind of the same thing they do here on earth. Right? Oh, I, 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 can't go, I, I can't go all by myself and just ask God for forgiveness. What do I got to do? I got to go to this super-duper spiritual person, the priest, and then I have to confess to him, and only he can make it right. No, that's not what the Bible says, and we saw before. Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we believers here on earth can what? Approach the throne of grace with confidence. We individually praise God through Jesus Christ, go directly to God. We communicate directly to God. We have direct access to God. We don't, we don't need man on earth. We don't need a dead person. Well, these dead people, if they're not trusting in Christ, they're in hell. How many guys say it's, you, re, you don't want to pray to a dead person, and you certainly don't want to pray to somebody who's in hell? <laughs> I think it's common sense. Wow. Second, uh, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, there is, uh, For there is one God, and what? One mediator between God and man, and that is Mary. Oh, I mean, all these saints. No, it's Jesus Christ. What are you talking about? Why would you go to someone? And that's what they're saying. They're interceding for us. What's that? That's a mediator. It's only Jesus. And that's what the Bible says. How could you sit there 
uh, and do that and promote that. Jesus is the only mediator which indicates Mary and the saints cannot be mediators. They cannot mediate a prayer request to God. Further, the Bible tells us, listen, that Jesus, you talk about intercession, what's the scripture say? Jesus is interceding for us before the Father, Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives to intercede for them. So who's interceding for us? Jesus. And I like what he says here. He says this, with Jesus himself, scripturally, the Bible says, with Jesus himself interceding for us, why would we need Mary or the saints to intercede for us? And whom would God listen to more closely than his own son? But see, that's the problem. That's how much they have elevated Mary and the saints, especially with Mary, as we saw last week, is Mary's the one who they call the co-redemptrix, right? That we have to go through her, then she's going to put in a word with Jesus, and then it's only because he really likes Mary or loves Mary that, okay, I'll let him in. It's, that's what they teach, right? And so... Uh, it, it's the same false teaching too. Now, not only that, listen, Romans 8, 26 through 27 describes the Holy Spirit interceding for us. So now you have the second and third members of the Trinity interceding for us before the Father, the first person of the Trinity in heaven. Why would you need dead people to intercede for you? Why would you even go there? It makes zero sense. Yet Catholics argue that praying to Mary and the saints is no different than asking somebody here on earth uh, to pray for them. So let's examine that. Number one, the Apostle Paul asked other Christians to pray for him. Okay, so the, the Bible does talk about interceding. But who does the interceding? Right? It's other Christians. Ephesians chapter 6. Many scriptures also describe believers praying for one another. 2 Corinthians 1, Ephesians 1, Philippians 1, 2 Timothy 1. The Bible nowhere mentions anyone asking someone in heaven, assuming these saints are in heaven, uh, to pray for them. The Bible, listen, nowhere describes anyone in heaven praying for anyone on earth. Now, here's what they do. They, oh, yeah? And they bring up this verse, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 forward. Okay, Revelation chapter 5. So be prepared for this one. And let me quote for you uh, verse 8 there. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one uh, a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. There it is. Absolute proof. We need to pray to dead people so that they can, in turn, pray to God. Because really what it is, it's like a supercharge. See, you're like, oh, your prayers may be okay. But if you can connect with the right saint for the right condition, with the right thing that you're going through, we'll get to that in a second, then what it is, it's just like, a, how many guys ever had turbo on your car? You had a car, but then you put turbo or a blower. Right? Reed, you know what I'm talking about. Work with me. Right? But that's what it is, man, because they, they're like a turbo prayer. Really gets to God. This is their big text that they use. So let's examine this text. Okay, I'll read it again. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And then that's the justification why it's perfectly fine to have dead people pray for you and you to pray to them so they can put in a positive word, kick in the turbo. Now, let's just examine that, what it said. Granted, the 24 elders that are mentioned there, I believe, are the church. That's in heaven after the rapture. So, so I'll give you that. But all it says is they have what? Bowls full of incense, okay, which are the prayers of the saints back on earth. That's it. That's all it says. Now, it did not say that the 24 elders, the church there, then turned around and opened up those bowls and looked at all those prayers and then communicated those prayers back to God. Did it say that? It didn't say anything of that stuff. And say they did anything with the prayers. All it says they were holding these bowls that had the prayers of the saints that were back on earth. And it didn't say that the saints on earth prayed those prayers to the 24 elders, the church right there, did it? It didn't say that. It just said, here they are. They got these bowls, and they're symbolic with the, the prayers of the saints. That's it. That's all it is. They, they did. The saints on earth didn't pray to them, and they didn't take those prayers and look at them and then turn praying back to God. It said none of that stuff. All it said was that they had bowls full of incense, which are symbolic of the people's prayers. That's it. But this is supposed to be your justification why we need to go to these people, pray directly to them, so that they can then pray directly to God. And this is your best verse? It's crazy. Now, let me give you an analogy. If I were holding Tom's keys in my hand to his new car, does that mean 
by virtue of me holding those keys that I own his car, please say yes. <sighs> you truthful Christians. No, it doesn't mean that. Right? It just means I'm holding the keys. That's all it means. I'm just holding the keys. Right? Does he, therefore, because I'm holding his keys, does that mean that Tom has to pray to me in order to use his car? We just finished on the Ten Commandments online. Who said that? What was that, two weeks ago? What's going on here, man? Do it again. Right. No, you don't have to do that. Or listen, do I then, Tom prays to me because I hold the keys so he can use his car, but I can't give him an answer yet because then I have to in turn take that prayer request and then I have to go to the car dealer and get his permission. That's, that's goofy. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what they've done to this verse. All it says is they're there, they hold the prayers of the saints. There's no communication going anywhere. And yet that's your big, giant, supposed proof text as to why that's biblical. Yet the Bible clearly says, don't do it. You don't pray to dead people, right? Once again, there's only one mediator, and that is Jesus. We pray only to God, period, over and over again in the Scripture. Again, 1 Timothy 2.5, uh, there's one mediator, and that's Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7.25, uh, seeing that he, Jesus, ever liveth to make intercession for us. Uh, John 14.13-14, and Jesus said, Whatever you shall ask in my name, not Mary's name, not a saint's name, not saint's so-and-so doing this one, in the name of Jesus Christ, he says that, uh, I will do. And the scripture never ever says pray to dead people and you certainly don't ask dead people to pray for you. And that should be common sense. But let's test that tonight. You guys seem like you're very discerning and truthful, except for whoever that was earlier. But how many of you guys would say that dead people don't pray? Raise your hand. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, or you dead. So, you know, <laughs> what? come on, it's crazy. The scripture never says to pray to a dead person uh, and don't ask them to pray for you. Matthew 6, 9, what's Jesus say? Then pray like this. Here's our model of prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer, what's he say? He says, pray like this. Our, he didn't say our mother in heaven? He didn't say, Saint so-and-so, take a pick. What, what's your problem? What's your ailment? Let's get, go down the list, get the right one in order for it to be effective. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God, the scripture says. Lamentations 3, 40 through 41, let us test and examine our ways. Uh, return to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven, right? So there's no biblical basis for this whatsoever. Number two, let's continue to put it to the test. Mary and the saints are not omniscient. What's that mean? All knowledgeable, all everywhere present. They're, they're not God. Only God has those attributes. And that's the problem, isn't it? We saw that they give those attributes uh, certainly to Mary. And we'll see even again tonight with their sample prayers. They do it to saints too, right? Okay. Well, because they're not omniscient, because they're not they don't have God's powers and abilities, then the point is this, then they're still finite beings, okay? How could they possibly hear the prayers of millions of people? Because millions of Catholics all over the world are doing this right now, as we speak. They're praying to dead people, and to Mary, who's dead too. How can they, ooh, right? How many of you guys ever been in a Sunday school class? How many of you guys ever been in children's church, been a volunteer there, right? And all of a sudden, you got like 12 kids show up, Right? And you think you're Superman, you're doing good, and it's that, that one Sunday that the preacher's gone, finally people show up, and then there's 18 people that show up, <laughs> 18 kids, man, 18 kids, can you imagine 18 kids, isn't it so awesome? You, you sit there, and they speak one at a time, they're very polite, it's awesome, and it's, just very, and it's just one message after one, and you're able to catalog, answer everything, it's just a pleasant experience. Yeah, what's that message online? Yeah, right, can you imagine a room full of that many kids? Oh, how do you? Oh, these guys are just, they're dead. And again, the saints, they're even in heaven, but they follow the Catholic Church, they're in hell. But Mary's in heaven. How, she, but she's just a, a finite being like the rest of How could she? Millions. Oh, it's impossible. It's crazy. Right? Only God uh, can do that. And also, the Bible, when uh, the Bible mentions praying and or speaking with the dead, it is always in the context of sorcery, witchcraft, necromancy, divination, which the Bible obviously condemns. 
And we've seen that many times before. Leviticus 20, verse 27, Men and women among you uh, who act as mediums and who consults the spirits of the dead. What are you doing right here? You're consulting what? The spirits of the dead. Mary's dead. I believe she's in heaven. Saints, if you're following the Catholic way of trying to get to heaven, you're not there. You're in hell. But there's still dead people. What's the scripture say? Who consults the spirits of the dead must be put to death. It's an abomination to God, right? Deuteronomy 18, we've seen that so many times. God says, when you go into the land that the Lord your God has given you, don't imitate the ways of the nations there. Uh, don't uh, let your son or daughter pass through the fire. Remember Molech, they were throwing their babies. We saw that before, just like today with abortion. Uh, or who uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. Communicate with the dead. Uh, for all that do these things are an abomination to God. Why? Because God wants us to know the truth, and this is demonic, and you're going to be deceived. But the other thing, too, is prayer, okay? It's no small thing. Prayer, when you pray to God, what is that? Prayer is a form of worship. God alone is only worthy of our prayers because he alone is only worthy of worship. And so you're giving worship over to dead people when you do this. Major, major problem. But what do we see in the scripture? You see two different entities that people tried to worship but were turned away. And those two examples in the scripture were angels and man. Let me give you two of those examples. Uh, Revelation 19.10, Then I bowed down uh, at the angel's feet to worship him, but he said to me, Do not worship me. Right? So a true angel from God, what's he going to tell you to do? No, don't worship me. He said, I'm a servant like you and your brothers and sisters who have the message of Jesus. Worship God. So if it's a true angel from God, what's he going to tell you to do, even if you were starting to flip up? Whatever flip is. <laughs> I knew you were going to catch it. But anyway, you see, going to see it worship God, right? But listen to this. We got another one. Peter, Acts chapter 10. When Peter entered, uh, Cornelius uh, met him, fell at his feet, and worshiped him. What did Peter say? Peter said, Well, man, you think it's cool now? Wait till I'm dead. And then, hopefully, not too soon, because I don't want to float around, you know, because remember, when you become a saint, the Catholic Church teaches they get to skip purgatory and they go straight in. Which I did a little research before I came in tonight to this study. Wait a second. So you say that when you canonize somebody as a saint, they get to skip purgatory. Well, we saw purgatory is not even true in the first place. It's an abomination. You go there to purge, work off, suffer off your sins. <clears throat> You're only forgiving your sins through Jesus Christ. But anyway, so it's not even true, but that's what they say. You get the shortcut. You get the instant. But then wait a second. I got to think about this. Did you know Mother Teresa, they turned into a saint last year, 2016? But did you know, for those of you hooked on mass, she died in 1997. So what's that, 16 years? 19 years? 19 years. 19 years! What was she doing? Was she knocking on the door at the Vatican? Hey! I want to go now! Can you make a decision? Am I going to purgatory or not? Well, what happened? There's 19 years in between! So did she go to purgatory? And then she got out? How does that work? And then she gets to go. But that's, the, that's what happened. When they, that's their, when they uh, canonize a saint, they don't have to go to purgatory. But there's a delay. Anyway, whatever, so let's move on. Uh, but what's Peter say? Peter helped him up and said, hey, stand up. I, too, uh, am only a man or a human. Now, you're thinking, oh, come on, they don't really do this. Because remember, what do they say? Every time when you confront them and say, oh, we don't worship Mary, and then you look at the practice, look at the behavior, and look at the official Catholic teaching, even from the catechism. Yes, you do. And it's the same thing when you can say, oh, no, we don't pray to saints, right? Right? We only ask them, well, what's that? That's praying to them. Hello. We, right? Oh, but we don't worship them, right? We just, yes, you do. And what I'm going to read to you is from catholic.org or Catholic Online. This is their website, not mine. And I'm going to read to you some sample prayers, because in case you don't know how to make it up yourself, you know, we're here to help you get kick-started. Because, don't forget, you got to buy that figurine to remind you of this person you need to pray to other than God. The first one is a sample prayer to Mary. Quote, 
This is the prayer to Mary, Queen of Heaven. Remember where we said what Queen of Heaven came from? I'm not making it up. This is, I just printed it off their site. Queen of Heaven. Remember Queen of Heaven? Who was Queen of Heaven? That's that Old Testament uh, demonic uh, entity that Israel began to worship. Uh, and uh, Ashtar, where we get Easter and things of that nature, was an abomination to God. They just wouldn't do it. But anyway, so here's what it says. Quote, Queen of Heaven rejoice. So they're praying to this supposed Mary. Queen of Heaven rejoice. Rejoice me glad, Virgin Mary. O God, grant that through the intercession of Virgin Mary, we may attain the joy of eternal life. What? Did you go through Mary to get eternal life? No. But that's, that's Mary. But again, they do the same thing to the saints. Let me give you a couple examples. And again, this is from their site. These are just sample. In case you don't know how to get kick-started, we're here to help you out. All right? St. Anthony. And he's supposed to be the guy who is zealous for justice. Because okay? we're going to see in a second, they got a saint for everything. And the key word is everything. Every occupation, every illness, everything. And I'm not joking. Wait till you hear some of them. Wow. Oh, and by the way, don't forget to get that little trinket that reminds you of 995. What? St. Anthony. And this is a sample prayer. I'm not making this up. This is their website. Their words, not mine. Dear St. Anthony, you were prompt uh, to fulfill all justice. You gave God and his creation the service he required from you. You respected other people's rights and treated them with kindness and understanding. St. Anthony, zealous for justice, teach me the beauty of this virtue. Wait a second. Who teaches us virtue? God. His word. I I'm supposed to get this from this dead guy named Anthony? Who is he, Catholic? Uh, teach us, uh, me, this beauty of this virtue. Make me prompt to fulfill all justice. Who gives us the ability to do that which is right? The Spirit of God. Oh, 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 uh, and, and to prompt me to fulfill all justice toward God. Help me also in my pressing needs. And it literally says here, name them. You, you get to insert that part. They can't make that one up for you. Right, so you've got to get specific. What's your pressing need? Let me say, who's our provider? Who meets our needs? Who do we go to when it says we have prayer and supplication? God, this is, this is their own examples. And, and, and does that sound like they're praying to this guy? This dead guy, St. Anthony? Oh, we don't pray to them. I'm just reading your prayers. St. Jude. St. Jude, listen to this one. right? St. Jude. And this is a sample prayer. Faithful servant and friend of Jesus. The church honors and... Oh. What? Honors and, listen to this word, and invokes you. Ooh, that's weird. You know that one, Bobby. We got a similar past. Uh, you invoke spirits, all right, in the in the occult. You don't want to invoke this one. Uh, but anyways, honors and evokes you uh, universally as the patron of hopeless cases, of things despaired of. Pray for me, pray for me, dead person, who who I am so miserable. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> you don't know Jesus, and you're not praying to Jesus, and this ain't going to help you out. Uh, pray for me who am so miserable. Make use, I implore you, of this particular privilege, according to you, to bring visible and speedy help. Again, where does our help come from? From God, not a dead person. Uh, come to my assistance in this great need, that I may receive the consolations and succor of heaven. Whoa, how do we get the blessings of heaven? Through Jesus, not some dead guy named Jude. Okay? I promise you, O oh blessed St. Jude, remember, we don't pray to them. I promise you, O oh blessed St. Jude, I will, listen to this, never cease to honor you as my special and powerful patron and to do all in my power to encourage devotion to you. Amen. Wait a second. Honor? I'll never cease to honor you? Who are we supposed to honor? God. And, and who are we supposed to give uh, unceasing devotion to? I'm supposed to give it to a dead guy? Again, this is, they're, they're really literally praying to dead people, not just Mary, dead people that they've categorized, and they're the ones supposed to give us all this favor. Now, notice he used this word there. Man, we're in that room already. Uh, this word there, patron. Patron, what's a patron? Patron saint, you've probably heard of that. Well, again, this is their own definition, catholic.org. What is a patron saint? Patron saints are chosen as special protectors or guardians over areas of life. Really? Who's the one who guards our life? God. Now, does he send an angel? Hebrews 
talks about that. Angels or ministering spirits sent to those who would inherit salvation. Us, right? But not dead people. Oh, and by the way, angels, as we saw before, they're not dead people. Okay? When you die, you don't turn into an angel. And you sort of don't turn into a chubby baby. And do like that. Okay? Okay, angels are created beings. Angelos, messenger, different thing. But anyway, uh, these uh, areas, and this is talking about a patron saint, these areas can include, here's what they're supposed to uh, have uh, special protectors and guardians over. They can include occupations, illnesses, churches, countries, and causes, anything that is important to us. And I stress that word there, anything. We'll get to that in a second. Recently, the popes, and this is their own website, recently the popes have named patron saints, but patrons can be chosen by other individuals or groups as well. So if you ain't got 19 years to wait, <laughs> just make it up. Patron saints are often chosen today because of an interest, talent, or event in the li- their lives, and that overlaps some special area. Angels can also be named as patron saints. Whoa, 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 what did we just see in Revelation? When the angel, what, what did he say to do? Don't worship me. Prayer is a form of worship. Don't worship me. Who do you worship? A God. So they literally say, oh, but angels can become these ones to intercede for you as well. This is their own words, okay? A patron saint... Uh, can help us when we follow the example of that saint's life. Whose example are we supposed to follow? Jesus Christ. Uh, And when we ask for that saint's intercessory prayers to God. For example, they say, Francis of Assisi loved nature, so obviously he is the patron saint of ecologists. Francis de Sales, he was a writer, so he's the patron of journalists and writers. I'm not making this one up. Claire of Assisi, and this is on their website. Claire of Assisi was the name patron of television. Because one Christmas, when she was too ill to leave her bed, she saw and heard Christmas Mass, even though it was taking place miles away. So if you're getting bad interception, especially during the Super Bowl, that could be frustrating. You know what to do. No, don't you dare do it. Oh, and again, see, you think I'm lying? After this, underneath this patron saint, this is their own website, they had to make sure that you can, and don't forget to make your purchase of saints jewelry, saints medals, and saints pendants at catholicshopping.com. Big cash. Starting to wonder why they ripped out the second of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no idols. Kind of ruin your business, wouldn't it? All right. Now, here's an example to praying to one's patron saint. Again, you can make it up if you don't have time to wait. Oh, heavenly patron, in whose name I glory. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who do we glorify? Only God. Right? Uh, in whose name I glory. Uh, uh, pray ever to God for me. Strengthen me in my faith. Who strengthens us in our faith? Jesus. Establish me in virtue. Guard me in the conflict that I may vanquish the foe and attain to glory everlasting. So not only Mary, now this dead person, and even when you get to make up, in case you can't wait, you're going to pray to something, someone dead in the past to get you to everlasting life. Crazy. Now again, uh, as I said, they got a whole list of these saints, and I'm just going to rip through them uh, real quick. I'm not making this up, and of course I don't have time to read them because we'd be here forever. I'm not joking. It's everything. 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 When they said anything and everything, they really mean that. Right? Okay, so you can apparently pray, according to the Catholic Church, to St. Adrian if you're a butcher, a guard, a soldier, or arms dealer. I am not making this up. I am not making this up. So if you're an arms dealer, you're not alone. Uh, St. Agatha for bakers and bell making and nurses. St. Alexander for charcoal burners. Right? You can't get that flame going at this. uh, We're having that pig cook-off contest, what, two weeks? It could be serious letdown if you can't get that flame going. Uh, let's just move on. St. Uh, Armand uh, for bartenders, brewers, innkeepers, merchants, and vine growers. That's right, St. Armand, uh, if you're into the brewing. Uh, let's move on. St. Ambrose, uh, beekeepers, beggars, candle makers, wax melters, and refiners. St. Anastasia for weavers, healers, martyrs, and exorcists. You're going to see this over and over again. No wonder those demons don't go away. You're praying to a dead person. Right? And if something did show up, he's probably a demon duping you. So it's demon against demon. Hey, that don't work. Bad math. Okay? <laughs> but they say it all over the time. All right, listen. Uh, St. Andrew, of course, for fishermen. Fishermen. Uh, listen to this one. St. Anne, 
Miners, mothers, equestrians, cabinet makers, homemakers, stablemen, and I'm not making this up, French Canadian voyagers of all nights for you guys to show up. <laughs> now, the rest of you in the world, you could be from Swahili, you could be from Kenya, you could even be from Scotland. You're on your own. But if you happen to be a French Canadian and you're on a voyage, you know what to do. <laughs> it's crazy. Right? Uh, gardeners, basket makers, grave diggers, butchers, swineherds, motorists, uh, St. Anthony, if you lost an item or uh, lost a person, or for women seeking a husband. Uh, this was strange. St. Antipas for dentists and St. Apollonia for dentists. Are they competing against each other? But if one doesn't work, you switch? Are you going to get them to argue? They don't want to argue in heaven. That wouldn't be good. Uh, Augustine of Hippo for printers. Oh, this was... St. Augustine, you praise, not just print, but if you're uh, brewers and theologians, that makes a whole lot of sense right there, doesn't it? A brewer and a theologian do not mix very well. And maybe it was St. Augustine who came up with this false teaching, I don't know. But let's move on. Uh, and again, I, I don't have time to go through them all. Listen, th these are all the different occupations. And everybody, you can have your own, no matter what you're going through. Engineers, uh, firemen, Italian marines. Not just Marines, but Italian Marines. Uh, fireworks makers. I'm not making this one up. Servicemen of the Russian Strategic Rocket Forces. That's St. Barbara, by the way. In case you haven't been from... Wow. Uh, mathematicians, geoscientists, stonemasons, tanners, trappers, couriers, hospital administrators, Italian prison officers, nursing mothers, farmers, farmhands, bridge builders, pawnbrokers, bankers, advertisers, mountaineers, and skiers, uh, dairy workers, unemployed gamblers. I'm not making it up. Saint Cat C A J E T A N. How do you pronounce that? How about skip the Saint thing and stop gambling? You can probably hold a job or something. But uh, yeah, but it's move on. <laughs> Stenographers, school teachers, secretaries, musicians, psychiatrists, uh, surfers, pilots, uh, theater performers, goldsmiths. Marble workers, motorcyclists, doctors, saddle makers, undertakers, uh, astronomers, florists, horticulture. Listen to this. Coffee house keepers or coffee house owners. You got your own. He's called Saint. I'm not, you see, you think I'm joking. Uh, Saint Drago. In fact, if you've seen some coffee houses, they actually have that name. Why? I had to look this one up. Right? I don't have time to look at all of them up. This is Saint Drago. This is how the story goes. Listen to this. The coffee guy. Saint Drago. He's a French saint, according to the Catholic Church. And by the way, his feast day is coming up on April 16th. So if you want some super-duper, triple, extra-caffeinated prayers, do it on the 16th, whatever. His mother died when he was born, the story goes. He held himself responsible. So later in his life, he went to extreme penance. What's penance? That's the false teaching that you, through your suffering and all the things you do, you can burn off and pay for your own sins, etc., blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and he did that to relieve his guilt, perhaps. Uh, at age 18, he rid himself of all his property and became a penitential program. He traveled to Rome about nine or ten times. You don't go up the bloody stairs or stairs with your knees, bloody knees, and you're going to prove how you're... And whatever. Reportedly, uh, Drago was able to bilocate, which refers to the ability to maintain one's actual presence in two totally different places at the same time. Witnesses, witnesses claim seeing Drago working in the field simultaneously and going to Mass every Sunday. That was actually uh, Drago's twin brother, Lamo, for those who are wondering. <laughs> During a pilgrimage, he was stricken, uh, with, I kid you not, with an unsightly bodily affliction. Right? Unsightly, right? which, and over here on the side, he's not just the patron saint of coffee houses, but he's also the patron saint of those, quote, of whom others find repulsive. Okay, he became so terribly deformed that he frightened the townspeople. In his 20s, a, a cell was built for him to protect the local citizens uh, of the village from his appearance. Wow. Uh, since he was so holy, though, his cell was built attached to his church. So St. Drago stayed in his cell without any human contact except for a small window in which he received the Eucharist and obtained his food. He stayed there for the rest of his life, about 40 more years, surviving only on barley, water, and the Holy Eucharist. Which is why, and I'm not making this up, he's also the patron saint of mentally insane people. <laughs> it writes itself. Wow. Oh, but that's not the only guy you can do in case you own a coffee house or we'll just move on. 
Saint Edward, I don't know, something's going on. Uh, Saint Edwards for kings. Then you got Saint Elgis for metal workers, jewelers, mechanics, and taxi drivers. Uh, pyrotechnicians, you got your own uh, Saint Erasmus. Chimney sweeps, anyone who works at great heights, hunters, trappers, trust makers, animal rights workers, uh, got your own. Radio, television workers, handgunners, shoemakers, comedians, clowns, dancers, Boy Scouts, and Teutonic Knights. You got your own. That's Saint George. Linguists, uh, lumberjacks. Uh, nurse anesthetics, uh, bakers, confectioners, pastry chefs, laundry workers, manual laborers, computer technicians, spectacle makers, bird dealers, art dealers, uh, teachers of youth, altar servers, editors and printers, funeral directors, air travelers, jurists, police officers, uh, ecologists, uh, ice skaters, schoolgirls, and prostitutes, uh, fish dealers, mm-hmm, fish dealers, chemists, medical technicians, and pig keepers. So wait a second, if you combine that charcoal burning dude with this dude for pig keeper, St. Malo. Yeah, don't, you don't even think. Don't say. Uh, bookkeepers, custom agent, plumbers, paratroopers, security officers. I kid you not. Lawyers in Paris Bar. That's St. Nicholas. Uh, midwives, hospital, public relations, clockmakers, bridge builders, guards, bookbinders, and special forces. And bombardiers, tailors, surgeons, medical record librarians, shepherdesses, tile makers, secondhand dealers, embroiders, gardeners, athletes, bricklayers, deacons, politicians, statesmen, civil servants, uh, archers, orphans, lighthouse keepers, for, and photographers. And again, I skipped over a whole ton. But any occupation you got, don't worry. We got that saint for you. Kick it into gear. Mm. Oh, and by the way, don't forget to buy this little trinket, necklace, or jewelry for $9.95. So you never forget. What a racket. Oh, and that's just the, the occupations. Uh, let's take a look at the, the ailments, illnesses, and dangers, right? Because, you know, it's a job, but in life, uh, things happen. So what are you going to do? And the, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but then it's really sad. Because this whole time, if you just turn to Jesus, if you just turn to Jesus, he really could help you with your occupation, with your illnesses, with calamities. But no, no, this false teaching that says they're Christian says pray to these dead people. Crazy, crazy. Now let me give you some of those uh, patron saints of ailments, illnesses, and dangers. That's right, you could... uh, Pray to a saint if you're a sterile woman, the blind and the lame, poisonous reptiles, uh, if you suffer from colic, breast cancer, headache, uh, is St. Agathus, in case you're wondering, uh, bubonic plague, misfortunes, evil spirits again. Comes a, And this one, I'm not joking, St. Albinus. Now, th- remember this name, because this could come in handy. And there's only one thing mentioned. See, some of these saints, they get several different things mentioned. Like, you know, this one gets evil spirits, leprosy, thunderstorms, and bacterial diseases, all wrapped into one. But the saint I'm about to share with you only has one apparent profound specialty. That's right. And that is Saint Albinus. I'll even spell it for you. A-L-B-I-N-U-S. Because that is a saint that you apparently go to against pirate attack. (laughs) Can you believe that? Are you serious? Remember, anything and everything. And 995, don't forget to pin it. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Uh, or don't forget, you got a patron saint if you're experiencing a fire or snakes and snake bites against a demonic possession, mental illness, poison, and wild beasts, sudden death. You pray to apparently St. Andrew Avellino if you're experiencing sudden death. That's a double no-no. St. Andrew dead. Dead people do no thing. You just died. You do anything and everything. 9.95. Riot, civil disorder, missing people, lost things, epilepsy, gout, toothache, kidnapping, deafness, sore eyes, cattle diseases, chest problems, lung problems, gambling addictions, ailments of the throat, horse death, sick horses, eye disease, childhood illnesses, motorcycle, bicycle accidents, evil spirits again, uh, rabies, pandemics, earthquakes, uh, the pain of women in labor, and I'm not... <laughs> I'm not making this up. Do you suffer from procrastination? <laughs> Do you? I wish I was making this up. Here's the saint that apparently fixes procrastination. It's Saint Expeditus. <laughs> I'm not making it up. It's right here. Come on. You made that one up. That's a 9.95. Don't forget that trigger. 9.95. Thanks. Wow. Hey, but we also got one apparently for venereal disease, suffers, hemorrhoids, uh, floods and drowning, bubonic plague, 
Uh, knee pains, adultery, marital difficulties, loss of parents, torture victims, pregnancy, fever, rats, and mice, hailstones, gout, uh, fear of insects, epilepsy, uh, rheumatism, uh, bullies, immigrants, and migrants. Ooh, that's a hot topic today. Immigration. Maybe we need to go to St. Lorenzo Ruiz. No, let's not. Uh, gallstones, poverty, disease of the skin, sexual temptation, alcoholics, disease of the kidneys, back pain, school-related re school students' crises. Wow. And demons again. Don't forget that. Uh, against criminals, di uh, diabetics. You got cramps. How about stress relief? New Year's blues. I kid you not. You, that's almost like the pirate thing. Oh, man, what are we going to do? Oh, I feel so horrible. Oh, hey, give it up for St. Pio. P-I-O. That's a pile. A falsehood. Rape victims, cough, sneezes, uh, open wounds, open wounds, uh, drought, cholera, cold weather, uh, foot troubles, anginas, syphilis, panic attacks, bed bugs, and locusts. Uh, obsessive uh, compulsive disorder. You pray, apparently, to St. Ubald. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, blight, frost, faintness, stiff neck, uh, lightning again, oversleeping, oversleeping, whooping cough, and that's right, dangers of the sea. And I skipped over a ton, and this isn't all of them. Anything and everything but God. We got it covered for you. Anything and everything by a dead person. If you're not into that Mary thing, 995. And who knows, it probably costs a whole lot more. You want to get special embroidered stuff. That's just crazy. And this is what they do. Now, they also have patron uh, saints of places. I'm not going to go through all those. Uh, literally every continent, they got supposed to over cities and, and towns and all that stuff. They got saints for all that stuff. It's absolutely, completely unbiblical. Now, believe it or not, we get into one page in your workbook tonight as we close. And we're going to skip the page that says big questions and witnessing uh, for Catholics because, Lord willing, we're going to talk about that next week as we finish up. But since we're on the theme of what else did you get wrong, I want to show you through this term over here, Roman Catholic terms, on that page, flip it over there, and just even in their terms, we've already seen a ton of things to get wrong. Why? Because you're following the road of a cult, and your authority is not from the Bible, and anytime you get outside the Bible, you're going to come with all kinds of bad false teaching. But they got so much false teaching, let's rip through very quickly their own terminology, and it's all false teaching. There's so much false teaching, it's embedded in their own terminology. Not a couple things, not one here, not three there, everything. Listen to this, all right. Absolution, that's the Catholic act of releasing somebody from their sin by God through means of a priest. Is that true? No, it's a false teaching, but that's their term. It's embedded in false teaching. Assumption, that's supposedly where the taking of the body and soul of Mary directly into heaven. Did that happen? Zero biblical evidence of it whatsoever. Confirmation, a ceremony performed by a bishop that's supposed to strengthen a person uh, and enable him to resist sin. Who gives us that ability? The Holy Spirit, not some ceremony of man. It's usually done at the age of 12. The bishop dips his right thumb in holy oil, anoints the person on the forehead, making the sign of the cross, and says, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. When are we sealed with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians chapter 1, at the moment of salvation. And it's not by man doing a ceremony else. Consecration, a moment during the ceremony of the Mass where God allegedly, through the priest, changes bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus. Is that true? Absolutely not. Eucharist, skip down one. The elements of the communion supper with the bread and wine are the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Is that turned into the... No. Again, uh, again, it's not just they got false teachings. Even their own terminology is all false teaching. It tells you how much there is. Right? Uh, extreme unction. This is that final sacrament. If you look on the page over here, I don't know if we'll get into that next week or you could read on your own, but this is the final of the, the seven sacraments. The extreme unction, a sacrament given to a person who is ill or in danger of dying, intended to strengthen uh, their soul and to help their love be pure so that they may enter into heaven. It's done through prayer and the uh, anointing oil. Now, let me read that down here. This, they, they believe, okay, it's, it's got to be done uh, by priests, that's why oftentimes, and I've run into this as I've done hospital visits, when somebody's of a Catholic background, you can't have a Protestant guy come up. You have to have a priest because it's one of the sacraments. 
And, and this one you better not miss, because here's what they teach. This supposedly, quote, removes infirmity and obstacles left by sin, which present, prevents soul from glory, prepares people for death by making them like the risen Christ. It prepares their soul for eternity. No, it doesn't. If that's what you're trusting in, you actually just prepare them into hell. But that's one of their sacraments. Uh, holy chrism, the special oil used in the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and holy uh, orders, uh, and holy water, we'll just double up here, special water that's been blessed by a priest, bishop, or an act, or by a liturgical <laughs> ceremony. Uh, it's used to bring a blessing to a person when applied. What? So water will bring me blessing. Oil will bring me blessing. Right? All right? I'm not recommending you do this, but anybody got a deep fryer at home? You ever have some of that splash up on your head when you're cooking? That feel like a blessing to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> so if I just put oil on somebody, or if I put some water on them and say some prayers, and it, turn, it's, it becomes some, no, it, it's baloney. It. It, it's just water. It's just oil. It's symbolic, right? But there's no special power in it. Okay, that's a false teaching. Immaculate conception, the teaching that Mary was conceived without original sin, that's not true. Indulgence, as we saw in the first couple studies uh, when we started this journey, an indulgence is a mean by which the Catholic Church takes away, not Jesus, the Catholic Church takes away some or all the punishment due uh, to the Christian in this life and or purgatory because of his sin, even though that sin has been forgiven. This punishment is most often in purgatory, but also can be suffered in this life. Therefore, indulgences remove time needed to be spent in purgatory. Is that biblical? Absolutely not. Lent. Uh, this happened last uh, Wednesday. They started that. Uh, a 40-day period between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. Usually it's accompanied by some form of prayer and fasting. Is there anything wrong with praying? Well, if you pray to God, if you pray to this, that's wrong. But praying in general to God, of course not. Anything wrong with fasting, biblically? No. What's the problem? When Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, when he says to pray and when he says to fast, in those two examples, what's he say? Don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, when you fast, what do you do? Don't make a big show of it. Hey, look at me! Right? When you fast, what do you do? Don't disfigure your face. And you know what they would put on their faces oftentimes? To make it look like, oh, oh, they haven't eaten forever. They put ash on their face. What's done on Ash Wednesday? Hey, look at me! I'm going to Ash Wednesday services. Woo! Aren't I spiritual? Whoa. And in case you don't realize it, and what's Jesus say? Hey, pray and fast in God. Praise God. But don't make a big show of it. If that's what you did, you just got your reward from, from men. Okay? Do it in secret between you and your father. Uh, mass, a reenactment of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross in a ceremony performed by a priest. This ceremony is symbolically carried out by the priest. It involves consecration where the bread and wine are changed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus uh, sacrificed over and over again? Is that his real body? No, not at all. Penance, the means of which that all sins committed after baptism are removed. Uh, because, again, they believe that in baptism that that's what's going to remove you. But the rest of it, you're pretty much on your own. Which, of course, baptism, they want you to be done as a kid, as a baby. Which babies don't even know what in the world's going on. Usually they freak out. When you're, all right. uh, but anyway, so uh, the means are assigned by a priest and usually consist of special prayers and or deeds performed by the sinner. So is that how we get our sins forgiven? Absolutely not. That's unbiblical. A relic, that's a part of the body of a saint, including clothing or jewelry. The relic is considered holy due to its association with the saint. Now, as we saw before, uh, they still do that today. There's still people traveling around, and it's a good way to drum up some cash because you've got to come pay and see this stuff. Right? And that's, remember what they, that's what they did uh, to build the cathedrals over in Europe, and that was one of the things that Martin Luther and the other reformers said, that's it, this is nuts. Right? You're selling indulgences. But, but, but it's also to come check out these relics. And, and things that they would say they had a piece of the cross. Right? They've got, they got a vial filled with Mary's breast milk. I'm not making this up. Right? All of a sudden, people come flocking. It's, oh, it's holy. Oh. Still do it today. Okay? Uh, but let's move on. Uh, that's a relic. Rosary, as we saw before in the first couple of studies, the string of beads contain five sets, ten small beads. Each set of ten separated by another bead. It also contains a crucifix. It is used in saying special prayers, usually to who? Oh, but we don't pray to Mary. To Mary, where the rosary is used to count the prayers. Okay? Saint, a very holy person. Right? Who makes us holy? We're not holy in of ourselves. 
It's Jesus Christ, right? And it's anybody who uh, uh, belongs to God. Usually, though, they say it's someone who's been dead for many years and has been canonized by the Catholic Church, and saints do not have to pass through purgatory. Uh-oh. Again, what did Mother Teresa do for 19 years? So... Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's just do the final one. Transubstantiation, the teaching, the bread and the wine, in uh, the communion supper become the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, consecration during the Mass. No, again, it's not true. Uh, but folks, what I wanted to bring that out through is because, again, we're finishing up, what else do you get wrong? Once you get off track, and certainly off track, of the Bible, and flip it around, are you starting to understand why you and I should never budge from this book? No, but what if so? somebody comes up to you and says, but God told me to tell you. Run. <laughs> no, but I had a vision from God, and he told me, and I cried, alligator teeth. He gave me a vision for America. America's going to run. That's where all this stuff starts from. And, and people say, oh, it's just a small thing. No, no, because once you do that and you get away from the Scripture, you're, it's coming. It's coming. You have to stick with the Bible. Don't let anybody dupe you with any feeling, any emotion, any experience, any so-called authority get you away from that book. The good news is you stick with the Bible, no man can deceive you. And you won't fall for it. And you'll continue to walk in God's blessing. But I wanted to share with you that last one because, again, even in their own terminology, there's so much false teaching, it's built into their verbiage. The Roman Catholic Church doesn't get it just wrong on a couple items. It's all over the place. And I'll do it once again for effect. And this is why it personally bugs me when you're watching the news. And they say, and now for the Christian perspective. And who do they show? The Catholic Church. Some priests, Catholic. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And that's supposed to be the Christian voice. Crazy. Lord willing, next week we're going to finish up. How in the world do you reach these people? Because guess what? Just like everybody else, they need to be reached for Jesus, right? How do you best go about that? We'll take a look at some of those things next week. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many of you have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ has now become a cuss word. Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you 
that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God, and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him, to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate 
uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.